Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Kevin, thank you for coming on. So you, you, you're, you're an author, you're a blogger, uh, you do a lot of leadership training, you've got a great book out, uh, The Pressure Cooker Confidence, How to Lead When the Heat is On. And then you, uh, you got another book out called Conversations with the Colonel. Yes, and I'm very, very fortunate guy, and I'd also give a few keynote speeches. So, there life you. is good. I saw that. I saw that as well. So, how did you? Uh, how did you come across uh, pressure cooker confidence? When? Uh, how to lead when the heat is on? Well, I had uh, a person that was working with me when I was getting the speaking business and helped me, and they just came and said, "You know, what you really did was a pressure cooker," and that just kind of went from there. You know, it's interesting. So you're you're a, you're a former military aviator. You had a great experience. You know, we were just talking about your experience in Desert Storm, and we'll we'll come back to that on a, in a minute. But you know, a lot of military aviators. You know, you you you. The one thing I learned in military aviation, naval aviation, was you know, it's yeah, uh, everything. You you train in a pressure cooker. I mean, it's yeah. every training flight is graded. Um, you know it can mean the difference between a, a career or no, every, every flight can mean the difference between a career or no career. Um, at least in the training command. Um, you know, you've been in, you did a distinguished career with, with IBM too. Yes. How did your military pilot training help you with your corporate career? And what do you, you know, how do you see corporate America benefiting from air force flight training? Well, I think always one of the, and you know this, Craig, from your flying career, one of the things the military trains you very well in is that every day is not going to be a rosy day. Some days it's going to be less than optimum. And the reason we call you the pilot, the reason we put these wings on your chest is we've trained you well enough to bring your airplane back under almost all conditions. And I say almost all if you get shot down by a a, a SAM missile, that's not almost any other condition. We've trained you to bring this airplane back. And so that psychologically comes, as you well know, hey, I'm going to have some bad days. And so when it happens to you, like, okay, this is my day, and it doesn't shock your system. So in corporate America, there's good days and bad days. There's days you get a sale, there's days you don't get a sale. There's uh, days you uh, have a client or customer problem, a satisfaction problem. And, and so you, always, you know that there's going to be those days and you just learn to deal with it and not let it phase you. And, and I'm going to bother you. And I think in, in a, uh, sometimes in corporate America and, and some of their training, they talk too much about, well, I shouldn't say talk too much, but they talk about all the rosy days and how great everything is. But the aviators all know that someday I'm going to be in the bucket and that's my turn to really turn it on and excel do you think um you know do you think corporations are treat are, are are teaching leadership enough 
Uh, th that's a very interesting question. I think they could always uh, do better. And really, what is leadership? Uh, it's it's all about. It's not about me. It's always about my people and about my clients and customers. And and you know, it's always about taking care of everybody uh, on your team. And you know, I flew a, a multi-team airplane. You're in a, had some teams, but it's not just everybody in the airplane. It's the people that fix that airplane, people that make it ready for you to fly. you got to take care of everybody. And it's never about me. It's about them. And if I take care of everybody on my team, my job is much easier. And, yes. and sometimes I think in corporate America, everybody's trying to climb the ladder and they're too much about them. And they, they should be more about their people and their teams. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I have an immense belief in people. I mean, the one thing about, our country is I always believe in, you know, if you, if you allow people to do the right thing, 95% of them will step up and do the right, the right thing. And, you know, I think great leadership has given them that ability to step up and do the right thing every day. Oh yeah. I always wanted to make my team feel very important that they were important to me. Uh, as an example, one of the things I used to like to do is to have the boom operator, which is the lowest ranking member of the team, sit in the jump seat for takeoff and landing between the two pilots. And I used to tell them, I want you to tell me if you see anything that makes you nervous because you've got experience flying, you know, being on this air crew. So I value empire. I want you to tell me if you ever see anything that bothers you, tell me immediately. If so, because if we crash, you die six inches behind me. Yeah. And I, uh, and I was just by way of saying, hey, you are valuable. You might be think you're the lowest ranking member of the team, but you're a valuable, valuable member of this team. And you can be the difference between success and failure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the thing. And the same thing goes in, you know, the same thing goes in industry. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we make a profit. Either we all make a profit or none of us make a profit. And that lowest ranking person can uh, uh, snap of the fingers, a blink of an eye, become, can become the most important member of the team. There might, there might be the one talking to the client or customer, and they got to do a good job every time. Yeah, I got you. So, yeah, uh, so I, I was, you know, as, as part of your book, you, uh, you flew KC-135s in Desert Storm. Yes. And you had a pretty harrowing experience. That was a little sporty. And 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 how two engines can fall off your jet is still a uh, a mystery to me. I mean, that just it boggles my mind. But yeah, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Well, it was we were flying a, a standard Desert Storm mission, and uh, it was at night. And there was another KC-135 that was 2.6 miles ahead of us, 500 feet above us. We were exactly where we were supposed to be on uh, on our mission. And we hit his jet wash. The autopilot malfunctioned a little bit and threw us into a Dutch roll. Well, Craig, as you know, a Dutch roll in a Delta Wing airplane is like a spin. You're going from wingtip to wingtip. We're going 110 degrees of bank from wingtip to wingtip every 1.1 seconds. I got that off the black box after we got back. And we're going 15 degrees nose high and 15 degrees nose low. Well, if you exceed 2.75 lateral Gs, uh, the engine struts will fail and the engines will come off. Well, I got us out of the Dutch roll and there's two fire lights on. So I started trading altitude for airspeed uh, because I could feel in the stick she wasn't flying. And, you know, we're going down and I tell the co-pilot to start dumping gas 
because uh, you know we had almost 290,000 pounds of gas on board. And I said to the old boom operator, I said, Steve, run back there, scan that left wing, tell me how bad the fires are. And he came back very quickly and said, they're not on fire, they're gone. And so, and no, so no engines, port, no port, engines. port side? Port side. You're just testing me, I'm an Air Force pilot, you wanna see if I knew what the old port was. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So left engines are gone. So, you know, uh, you, your training kicks in. Yes. Yes. And you dump, your, you dump 180,000 pounds of gas. That's but, Well, not quite. We dumped about 170. We saved a little bit to make it back. Okay. We, so won't, we, tell had... the, we won't tell the environmentalists about that, but uh, that's, that's pretty fascinating. You're able to get rid of 170,000 pounds of gas. Well, we, we were over the old uh, the desert, the uh, over there in, in uh, Saudi Arabia and Iraq, we're over the desert, so there wasn't, you know, a lot yeah. hurting to the environment. How much, uh, you know, so how much emer you know, emergency procedures? How much of this is emergency procedures practicing, and how much of this is you know, just flying the jet? Well, that's a very interesting question because, you know, you, as they do in the Air Force, I'm sure they do the same thing in the Navy. From day number one, they tell you, fly the airplane. That's your job, fly the airplane. Well, now, I have no engines on the port side, and I got two engines on the starboard side. So trust me, the two engines on the starboard side are firewalled. They're going, I mean, I got as much thrust yeah. as I get on them because I'm trying to get us to start flying again. So you would ordinarily think that the airplane would turn to the left. It turned into them with those right engines pushed up all the way. Starboard engines pushed you. you turn. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's going the opposite way because you got two air brakes on your right side. Exactly. So you're rolling the other direction. You're going opposite of what you would just normally think. And it was at night. It was just after dark, and there was, there was still a horizon I could see. On and our attitude because we had been going 110 degrees of bank you know 1.1 seconds that attitude indicators were all uh, blessed and optimum performance right then they were all over task so they weren't working so i was able to look at the horizon on the air on the way out there and level the wings based on the horizon not the attitude indicator mm -hmm. and and you know that's so that was the emergency procedure to kick it in teach you to fly the airplane actually to get out of the uh, Dutch roll was probably the toughest thing I've ever done in my life because uh, uh, prior to that, the Air Force had said, put your feet flat on the floor, keep them off the rudders. If you get in a Dutch roll, put your feet flat on the floor, keep them off the rudders, and then grab the stick and use, only use lateral controls. Well, I did that, nothing happened. Well, previous to that, at that point in time, American Airlines had a contract with the uh, Air National Guard to give us our simulator. You know, and I'm sure you've been to a lot of simulators in your flying career, Craig. You know, you practice emergency procedures in the simulator. Well, old Charlie Cape was retired American Airlines captain, and he had uh, I had just had a simulator with old Charlie about two months before we got uh, deployed to Desert Storm. And one of the things in that particular syllabus, well, there was two things that came in handy. And that particular syllabus for that simulator, one of them being land on two engines, the other would be in how to get out of a Dutch roll. Well, he had trained me that he said American Airlines way back when, because uh, a KC-135, as you know, is a Boeing 707, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, 
when they first had them way back when American used to practice the Dutch rolls in the air before they realized how bad they were. And they actually lost a, a 707 over New Jersey. We well, said, so what you do if you get in Dutch roll, put your feet flat on the floor, gr grab the elevators, only use lateral controls and do one more thing, pull the speed brakes up because that gives you more wing service to work with. So I pulled those speed brakes up and that's what got us out of the Dutch roll. And I was able to get, that's when I got us able to stop. And then you talk about, you asked me about uh, emergency procedures. Well, sure, Charlie, had, I just previously landed on two engines in the simulator. And so I used that training to help us come back and, and make that landing. But we had to, we had to come up with some other things that, that weren't quite, what you would expect like the boom operator had to lower the landing gear manually because because of the, our configuration there were some systems we couldn't uh, recover because there was broken pipes and mm -hmm. wires etc with hydraulics so the landing gear wouldn't work so uh, the old boom had to lower the landing gear uh, the pilot other my uh, first officer my co-pilot the other pilot was as big as i am thank goodness and we had physically had to overpower the airplane coming back so it took us an hour and 15 minutes to get back to a, a landing six landing base but we were able to we're most fortunate and able to successfully land it it's very similar to the uh, you know you think about uh, what was it the united airlines flight over iowa that you know with uh, the disc and the the the, the disc and the number three engine let loose oh yeah with captain haynes captain haynes and and you know you talk about you know, crew resource management and and yeah you know, you know, your teamwork Yes. And, and, and good communications. How are you communicating? You know, when you're talking to companies and you're speaking with companies and you're, you're, you're training, how are you telling people to communicate? Well, I think it starts back to one of the first things I said is you got to initially uh, make everybody feel important. Like when I had my boom operator take off in the jump seat and I tell him, I want you to tell me anything because uh, that happens because you're vital to me. It's, it's not, you have to, as you know, the military as an aviator trains you to be prepared. And one of the big steps is doing things in advance. So you have to have all your people as Kamara's communications. I want you to know you're important. I want you to know how to do the job. I want to have trained you how to do it in advance to when things go bad. And I think that's the, the, the key thing is I want to train everybody ahead of time and, and, and have that mindset that, hey, we're a big team. I'm leaning on you when things go bad, be able to do it. And so the, 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 it's not so much communication at the time, although that's important, but mm -hmm. it's the communications and the training you've done in advance of a particular situation that, that really makes people be able to excel or have a hard time. Yeah, no, I, look, you know, to me, you know, today, the, the, the issue I have today is people want to text. Uh, you, know, yeah. you, you can't feel you you can't get a sense of emotion in a text. No. And there's a lot of bad communications in a text. Yeah. Or they want to email, you know, hey, I'll you know, I'm really uh, I don't like this. I'll send an email. And then I think about, you know, in an airplane, you know, I could write volumes in an air, I could write volumes on communicating in five words, you know, five words or less. Yeah, you think about the communication between a, a pilot and a co-pilot, a, a pilot and his wingman, a pilot and air traffic control, and I could speak. I could speak a novel in three words or four words. Oh yeah, and you know, the one thing that you know I would love you know, people to do is like, hey, look, communication is pretty simple. Say what you want to say, 
keep it sweet. You know, to the point and understand to the point. You know, and understand what the other you know understand the other person's role in the uh, in the you know in the in the dialogue. Oh yeah, lower the landing gear. Lower the landing gear. That's pretty. Flaps, that's, <laughs> flaps forty. You know, it's just it's just very simple words in a cockpit, but they they transpire a lot, and it's all back to I've been trained on what they mean, and so you don't have to explain it to me at the time because we've done all that work in advance. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt, and it's all about it's all about advanced training. Do you do you you know, um, you know when you when you were writing your book, you know, do you do you talk about the benefit of you know real communications, real training in the boardroom or in the the sales process or in a business transaction? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I I, I one example I always give is is. You have to know what your client's buying. I had this one time where I was in management and I'm making a, uh, a sales call with this uh, uh, younger salesperson. And they said to the, the client or customer, they asked him a question and they said, well, I'm not technical. And so I kind of took over and kind of covered it. And we get out of the meeting and I said, don't ever say that to another customer that you're not technical. You have to understand what they're buying. They're buying from our company. They're buying your technical expertise. If you don't know the answer, you say, I don't know the answer. I'll find out and I'll call you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. with the answer. But you never tell because you have to understand what a client or customer is buying from you. And you 100% of the time give that customer our client what they want and that is but it's okay not to know something we all nobody knows everything but you when they ask you a question you answer it or if you don't know the answer you tell them when you're going to get back with them and then by golly get back to them at 10 a.m tomorrow morning if that's what you say oh yeah i mean that's that's basic that's basic follow-up the other one i love is you know what's your what's it cost and the, the answer i always tell people is are you, are you buying I mean, are, are <laughs> yeah. you buying? If, if, if you're not buying, what a cost is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you are buying, let's talk about what you're, what, what you're buying and then we'll figure out the, we'll figure out the price. But um, that's it. So how do, yeah, how do, how do people, how should people lead when the heat is on? I mean, it's a leadership is a lot of different things. You know, I, I, I still go back to what I've said earlier. I mean, I, I am very big on it. It's, it's not what you do at the time of the crisis. It's what you've done prior to that. So that everybody looks to you and you have to be willing and, and look at it as an opportunity uh, to, to take it over. And, and I look back uh, how, how, and we were very fortunate, Craig, to make it. It was we were in tough shape, but we all knew it. But I had set my crew up to the, uh, that they relied on me and they had confidence uh, in me uh, to be able to, to bring it back. And that's all done ahead of time. And then. You have to, if you're the leader, you know there's going to be those tough days and you have to give that air in the situation that you can handle it. Because I told my team, one of my teammates asked me, oh, you're going to have to, we're going to have to bail out. And I said, no, stick with me. We'll be fine. I'll remember that. I always remember that. And he said, yes, sir. And he did his job. But that was all set up by what you do ahead of time. But when you're in the moment, you have to give that air that 
I'm the best one you can be with. Now that sounds yeah. that sounds a little arrogant, but you know from your flying career you had some tough days, I'm sure, but you thought that you could handle any of them, and you did. Oh yeah, I mean it's you know it's just about you know you know life is you know life is you know a pressure cooker. And if it's not, you know, if you're not, if you're not challenged by life, you're probably not trying hard enough. Is well, that, would, a, that I would be bored. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be very bored. But on the flip side too, you said your crew had to have confidence in you. You know, what about you having crew and you know, confidence in your crew? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yes, I had, I had to know what the strength and weaknesses are of my crew and, not put you have to put your team in a position to excel under pressure is what i always say and so you have to know what their strengths and weaknesses are and then put them in a situation where they can excel so give them a job that they that you know they can do how should um how should companies be training their people to you know uh to not panic to perform when when the heat is on well that's I think I said earlier that that military does a great job of convincing you that every day is not going to be good. So, Hey, you know, what makes people excel and what makes, uh, separates the men from the boys and the girls from the, the women are the days it's tough. Who wants to step up to the plate and say, Hey, you know, you rely on me. I'm an old college basketball player, and I wanted to shoot the free throw with two seconds to go in the game to win. You have to give them, everybody, that attitude that I want to be the one that you rely on. I want to be the go-to person. What do you do with the people that don't want to be go-to? Well, want to hide the pack? Well, everybody can't want to be that go-to person. You put them in a job where uh, there's always somebody that can help them. But that they they can't get to that executive level, and, and that's that's fine. There's there's people that want to be that, and there's people that not. You have to understand what everybody's real wants and desires are, and then put them in a position that'll make them happy and make them want to excel. And everybody won't be want to be that go-to person when the the heat's on. Don't put them in that tough position. In business, you look at it and say there's there's higher pressure jobs than others. Not that then, but there's a certain amount of pressure on every job. Everybody's going to have be able to handle some pressure, but hey, you know, there's in the cockpit. I always wanted to be the captain. I always wanted to be the aircraft commander. There's people that uh, I flew with that didn't always necessarily want to be the captain. They liked to be in the, the cockpit, but they didn't want to be the captain. Hey, they were great, great crew members, but they knew what they wanted to do. I knew what they wanted to do. And they didn't want to be the one that made the decision. Right. Yeah. No. Hey, look. That's that's every that's every organization. It's, yes. Yeah. You know, they're yeah yeah they're they're happy to you know uh, they're happy to step back and let somebody else handle it. They'll go along for the you know they'll go along for the ride. Well, um, I mean, it's the old too many chiefs and not enough Indians. The Indians are very valuable people. The old colloquial saying. I mean, they're very valuable. Uh, we want to have some of those. Everybody can't be the the the, the chief, and, yep. or, nor do they want to be. But they're but to have a high functioning organization, you need people at all levels. But the key is making making the Indians understand that you know once again, you know, if this airplane crashes, you die six inches behind me. 
Oh yeah, they have Speak to yeah, they have to understand their role and they have to understand that I want them to uh, want their input. And then if, if I'm the captain, if I'm the executive, I want your input, then I'll make the decision. Yep, absolutely. So you follow, I take it you're following the uh, the max thing, the max issue on oh, yeah. the 737? Yeah, that's just, a, that's a, a, a tough issue. I think that uh, my personal opinion is that money got in the way. How about training? Well, training, I've got a good friend of mine that's a, a captain with a, a major airline that flies a lot of uh, 737s. And he was checked out in the 737. And, and his training uh, was uh, a couple videos, he told me, and a, a written test. And there was no simulators. And uh, uh, he's a very senior captain. And uh, he till that first accident happened, if it would have happened to him at low altitude, he, he's not sure he could have recovered the airplane. Is that right? That's what he told me, which I was shocked at. I thought he could have recovered because this man is a very senior captain, a very good pilot, friend of mine. And, uh, but he said after that first one, he looked at the accident report and read up on it, and then he knew what to do. But the, the changes he had not been uh, sufficiently trained in, uh, for those changes. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I, you know, uh, you obviously recovered, a, an airplane under some pretty difficult, um, circumstances. Um, you got a lot of flights, you've seen a lot of emergencies. I mean, that's, it's the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, are we, are we, you know, is cockpit technology taking too much of the skill out of the pilot? Well, that's always a that's a very interesting question. My son is an American uh, Airlines uh, pilot. He's a triple seven first officer, and uh, he but he started off learning how to really fly airplanes and, and do it. And it's very and I've talked to him about it, and I've talked to other uh, friends of mine that are senior pilots in the airline industry. That uh, you know, when when I went to pilot training, why we had to fly needle ball and airspeed. Uh, some of the newer pilots. Uh, if I said needle ball and airspeed, they wouldn't really know what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. But if, but they might run the computer much better than I do. Now, you know, when when I got in trouble, uh, I went back to my basic flying, and I recovered the airplane, like I told you, Craig, off of the horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure that, uh, that some, uh, uh, some uh, of the very younger pilots are – more interested that today it's more important to run the computer than it is to fly the airplane, which is what I was always trained to do. And that's always a very, very interesting conversation to have. And, and when you look at some of the, the uh, more current accidents over the last five, 10 years, and which ones uh, would have happened if uh, uh, fl uh, flown the airplane. Now that said, you know, the computers and all that are brought in because they say that there's a lot fewer accident today than there were say in the 70s and 60s and 70s and 80s because of technology mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a very interesting debate to have yeah no it really is but i, I think that the you know the uh, it's kind of like your you know a little bit of your your book you know pressure cooker confidence um how to lead when the you know when when the, when the heat is on it's a little bit of a you know the human element is there for a reason don't you know uh, don't get complacent and just rely on the computer. 
yeah. under, understand what your what your role is and understand what your role is there too. And I think that goes for any organization. You know, don't, oh yeah, yeah. Don't get yeah. don't get complacent, right? Oh no, don't get complacent and and fly the airplane. Do your job every day. Absolutely. You know, that, you know that's one of the things that now I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, and of course uh, uh, I live in Dallas, so I'm also a Cowboy fan. So I'm not a big New England Patriot fan but uh, one of the things that uh, you could you can love them or hate them but let me tell you the Patriots are good and Belichick's a heck of a good coach but one of the things he preaches is do your job do your job and no matter what part of life you're in if you learn how to do your job and you do your job and take responsibility for doing your job that's a, a key element to success absolutely so good so how do people uh, how do people get a hold of you well, I've got a website, SweeneySpeaks.com. I've got multiple speakers bureaus that represent me. Or my email is Kevin at Sweeney, S-W-E-E-N-E-Y, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S.com. Kevin at SweeneySpeaks.com. Send me an email. Love to talk to you. My phone number is uh, 817-251-8767. Uh, call that. 817-251-8767. Call that just uh, multiple different ways to get a hold of me. And I'd be glad to talk to you about how I could help you. And let Thanks for what you need. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you being here today. All right, Craig. I, hey, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to an old aviator. <laughs> there you go. Especially ones that quiz me about port and starboard. We, 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 we'll, we'll keep the old, we'll keep the old out of it. How's that? <laughs> hey, no, I experienced. It's always experience. fun to talk to an experienced pilot. There you go. Sounds good.